From the Daily Northwestern, this is The Weekly. I'm Shane McKeon. It's the end of week six, which means it's the end of midterm season. We hope you got through it all right and that your next four weeks are even better. We've got two stories on this week's show, so let's get into it. This week, students from around campus came together at The Rock to protest some of President Donald Trump's executive orders. Our own Maddie Gerard has this story. This past Tuesday... Canterbury Northwestern, Northwestern's Episcopal Campus Ministry, organized an interfaith vigil at The Rock. At around 5 p.m., members of Muslim, Jewish, Christian, and other communities gathered in a circle holding candles to stand in solidarity against Donald Trump's, quote, numerous inhumane executive orders. Kind of, we sat, we had eight or nine of us, we were all sitting at our table, the table eating dinner, and we had a, a great conversation about, okay, so we want to do something, what should we do? Um, well, we're a community of faith, so let's organize a prayer vigil. Let's make it interfaith if we can. Andy Guffey is the chaplain of Canterbury Northwestern. He helped organize the vigil and shared a few words in support of those affected by the ban. For the refugees seeking safety, for those who have left their homes, because to stay is almost certain that even not knowing what the future will bring, let this light shine. Let this light shine. The event brought a variety of people of different faiths. Brandon Bernstein, campus rabbi, spoke of why his religious beliefs encourage his fight for social justice. But in the Torah, more than any other time, the single commandment that is repeated over and over again, more than keeping kosher, more than circumcision, more than anything else, um, is welcoming the stranger, is being kind to the stranger, is remembering the stranger uh, for you were strangers in Egypt. Soyan Chen is a freshman at Northwestern who represented University Christian Ministry at the Vigil. I've never spoken in front of a religious audience, especially about a topic that was so political, and I didn't want those two to intersect and for me to say something that would like hurt somebody or just like come off the wrong way. Soyan spoke briefly at the vigil about her fear for her mother. My mom, she's like, she's not a U.S. citizen. She's been a permanent resident for the past 18 years. And um, although she's given that legal status by the government as, as well as like so many others have been, she's, it's like no longer safe for her. It's like no longer, she's no longer grant, granted the security that she once was. Andy, who went to the Women's March as well as this vigil, is hopeful that the momentum of this movement will continue. But I think one of the, the encouraging things about what's happening is even people like me, um, who aren't natural-born activists, are taking action um, and are being vigilant about calling, uh, doing all the kind of Civics 101 kinds of things, calling their senators and their representatives and um, signing petitions and and all of that, but they're also taking action, um, and they're also getting involved on local levels. Hale McSherry, a senior at the School of Communications and member of Canterbury Northwestern, talked about how he thought it's important for people of faith to mobilize together. This felt like the right moment for our group, which is pretty small, to kind of take the lead, not just as, as students or as community members, but as Christians and as people of faith to bring out other groups for something that is uniquely specific to faith.
We're going to step back now and talk about something that maybe we don't talk about so much here at Northwestern, academic integrity. Bill Savage is an English professor here, and he begins his classes with a 20-minute lecture on plagiarism and cheating and how it can be avoided. I sat down with Professor Savage last month to talk about academic integrity, and here's some of our conversation. My name is Bill Savage. I'm an associate professor of instruction in the English department here at Northwestern and a college advisor in the Office of Undergraduate Studies in uh, Weinberg College. So one of the reasons I take plagiarism so seriously is that um, I was the victim of plagiarism. When I was an undergraduate at Loyola, I took uh, one of those writing seminars where everyone got copies of each other's work and critiqued it. And one of my, at least one of my stories ended up in one of those fraternity files that only exists for study purposes or doesn't exist at all, depending on who you talk to. A couple years later, somebody handed it in to the same professor. That person admitted to plagiarizing, but claimed it was from a magazine that he no longer had a copy of essentially accusing me of having plagiarized in the first place, which, of course, was nonsense of the first order, and my professor knew it because she'd seen, like, handwritten outlines and things like that. So I always saw that as something that made me very aware of the, the sort of costs of plagiarism. Can you walk <clears throat> me through the reasons you think students do this? But students at Northwestern commit plagiarism for three reasons, two of which I can do absolutely nothing about, and one of which, as a faculty member, I can do everything about. Uh, the first is laziness. Some people just don't have a work ethic, and I'm not going to be able to magically give someone one. Um, although everyone here works really hard to get in here, I think once you come to college, there can be a sort of four-year senioritis kick in on some level. Um, the second thing I can do nothing about is arrogance. Uh, some people think they're smarter than I am and will get away with it. But when you're in my classroom, I've read these books. I've read most things written about these books. If you think you can pull an essay out of thin air and just hand it in or off the Internet, good luck to you. The third reason is fear. The, the fear of not being as smart as the next guy, the competition, the feeling that everyone else has a 4.0 and I'm a loser. And I like this class. I like this pressure. I want to hand in something good and my, my ideas aren't good enough. And then there's the pressure. You know, you're in three or four other classes. It's a deadline. Holy moly, I got to write this thing and I, I can't hand in this garbage that I produce myself. I can go to schoolsucks.com and buy a paper on The Great Gatsby and hand that in instead. That's why my home phone number and cell phone numbers are on my syllabus. If someone is afraid that they're not doing good enough work or that their ideas aren't smart enough or strong enough or competitive with their classmates, call me up, text me, email me, we'll talk. I'll give you an extension. So that fear, I, I try to assuage it on some level on the first day of class by bringing up the whole issue. And I will be honest, since I have started doing this at the beginning of every class, I have not had a single case of academic integrity violations in my courses. I think it's the right thing to do. I wish more of my colleagues did it. I think it would cut Dean Sheldon's workload considerably if everyone was just upfront and honest. What needs to change for there to be fewer instances of plagiarism? The obsession with GPA and the obsession with perfection. And again, this is something where the, the culture of Northwestern, where so many students are so smart and work so hard to get here in the first place, and then discover themselves competing against a whole lot of other people who are just as smart and hard working as they are. But the key is, I think, for us to face it always honestly, rather than you know, me as a faculty member maybe pretending it's not an issue so I don't hurt anyone's feelings. Plagiarized papers are usually not that good anyway. <laughs> I'd rather have an interesting bad paper from a student who's giving it their best shot um, than a polished turd from some other school or some paper mill.
And that's our show. Thank you to the entire Daily Audio team, especially Maddie Gerard and Sam Burnitz. Our audio editor is Corey Mueller. You can find The Daily online on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram, as well as on a newsstand near you. I'm Shane McKeon. Thanks for listening.